It's Monday, November 13th, 2017. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services. I'm coming to you from New Delhi, India. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study, and today we continue our study on the gospel according to Luke as we walk through Luke 2, verses 1 through 52, so the entire chapter of Luke chapter 2. And in Luke today, we're going to see the birth, dedication, and growth of Jesus the Christ. There's so much in this passage, and we're really only going to be able to scrape the top of it and probably spend the most time in the first part of that. And so as I look at this chapter... Really, we see three phases. We see phase one, the birth of Jesus, phase two, the dedication of Jesus, and then phase three, the growth of Jesus the Christ. And so let's look at phase one first, the birth of Jesus, Luke chapter two, starting in verse one through chapter 20. It says this, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration where Curnius was the governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David. David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were feared with grace great fear. But the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing, uh, the shepherds said to one another when the angels had gone away to heaven. And, and the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that was been told to them according to this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told them. So first, I want us to see five revelations from Luke's account of the birth of Jesus. First, a sovereign and massive God stoops down for a sinful people, right? And we know that in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it said, the prophet Micah said about Jesus, about the Messiah, it said, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. So we know that Mary and Joseph were from Nazareth, not Bethlehem. So how in the world would these Nazarites get to Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy of Micah? Well, here's the deal. Our God sovereignly used pagan Caesar Augustus, an emperor of the most powerful kingdom of the time. The Roman emperor was just a pawn in the hand of God, right? He uses pagan Caesar Augustus to declare a census so that Mary and Joseph 
Mary, the birth mother, and Joseph, the legal father, would have to go to Bethlehem in order to be able to fulfill the prophecy of Micah. And here's the deal. Joseph took Mary to be his wife, even though she's with child. So if, if Joseph doesn't bring Mary to be his wife, then Mary has no standing to be counted in Bethlehem. Oh, listen to this, beloved. Our God is sovereign, and he stooped down to help a sinful man. Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of our God. He turns it whatever way he will. And so the first thing we see is God is sovereign from the very first part of this account of the birth of Christ. But then number two, we see that for our sake, the king of the world became poor. Look again at, at verse 7, right? And uh, and the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger in a feeding trough because there was no room for them in the inn. There were, there were no vacancy signs that night all over Bethlehem. There was no room in the inn. And so the king of the world that should have been born in the most palatial of palaces instead is born in a stable because there's no room. And you see that, that God, the ruler of all things, even the no vacancies of the ends in Bethlehem, he humbles himself for the sake of his children. We see what Paul wrote, writes to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. He says, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. So when Christ reminds us to deny ourselves and take up our cross, let us remember that for our sake he gave up the splendor and the wealth of heaven, for the dirt, the cold, and the smell of a stable. There is nothing too great. There is nothing too uh, uh, much that we should hold on to that we could not deny for the sake of making Christ known. So uh, the third revelation we see from the birth of Christ is that Jesus came to take away our fear, right? Throughout Luke chapter one, he comes to Zechariah. Zechariah is afraid when the angel of the Lord comes. He says, do not fear, Zechariah. When he first comes to Mary, Mary is, is filled with fear when she sees Gabriel. And the angel Gabriel says to her, do not fear, Mary, for you found favor with God. And then, so we see in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, that when the angel of the Lord appears, right, and the glory of the Lord shines around these, these shepherds, they're fearful. But the first thing the angel says is, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all the people. You see, it is natural for a sinful people to fear because of their sin, our guilt, our deceit, and because of our ultimate forthcoming death. And we fear the judgment seat of God. Oh, but God sends Jesus into the world with the words, fear not. Fear not. Do not be anxious about your life. What you shall eat or what you shall wear, cast all your anxiety on God because he cares for you. If the Lord is the stronghold of your life, then what in the world have you to fear? And here's the deal. God says through the angel, do not fear. Fear not. Instead, have great joy, right? Have great joy. I bring you good news of great joy. The Lord, through the coming of Christ, takes away our fear and gives us rejoicing. Oh, the fourth revelation we see from Luke's account of the birth of Christ is that Jesus comes to show the urgency of the gospel message. 
And we see here in verse 12 that, that there's a heavenly host, right? Uh, the angel tells him that you'll find Jesus, the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host. And this is not like what we think about at Christmas time with, with sweet little angels and harps on a cloud and a little halo over their head. This was an army, the army of God. An army precedes the king. And that's what this was, an army preceding the king. The king was coming. But there's a somber note in the coming of this king. Yes, there's joy. Oh, but listen to what they sing. We sing this in Christmas carols, but do we really listen to these words? It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is well pleased. Oh, that means if if God is not well pleased, there's no peace. And there's a somber note that's, that's coming. The coming of Jesus does not bring peace to all because some have not believed. Some have, have not placed their trust in him. Some he's not pleased in. And this shows the urgency of the gospel message. We don't just proclaim Christ has come, but we say, repent, believe, for the kingdom of God is here. So we must go into all nations to proclaim the excellencies of the coming of Christ, realizing that some of those will be words of life, while other, those will be words of turmoil because they live in darkness. Oh, the coming of Christ is good news, but it also shows us that we are desperate apart from the salvation that is in Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone, for the glory of God alone. And so the coming of Christ shows us the urgency of the gospel. But fifth, the fifth revelation shows us that Jesus comes, that we might believe and then go and tell the world. So like the shepherds, when we have seen the light, we want to testify to it. Once the angels announce it, with haste, the shepherds follow the star to witness it. Once they've witnessed the Christ child, they immediately begin to testify, right? It says in verse 17, when the shepherds saw it, saw Jesus laying in the manger, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And then verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them we we when we come face to face with the christ child when we come face to face with the gospel we cannot help but to speak of what we have seen and heard no one can keep us quiet jesus comes that we might believe and then go and tell the world oh i, I love the passage in acts 4 19 through 21 when peter and john were standing before the sanhedrin and they were threatening them uh, to within an inch of their life to stop preaching to stop teaching to stop telling of the wonderful acts of jesus and this is what it says in acts chapter 4 verses 19 through 21 but peter and john answered them being the sanhedrin rather it's right in the sight of god to listen to you rather than god you must judge for we cannot speak of what cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard and when they had further threatened them they let them go finding no way to punish them because the people for all were praising god for what had happened and so we see these five revelations from the birth of Christ. But second, the second phase is the dedication of Jesus. And so we pick up in verse 21 through 40. And this is what Luke says in Luke chapter 2, verse 21 through 40. 
In the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when his parents brought in the child Jesus to do to him according to their custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now we are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through his own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, from the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him of him to who all were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom and favor of God was upon him. And so three quick revelations from the dedication of Jesus. The law of the old covenant was fulfilled in Jesus. You see the age of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Luke chapter 1 verse 7 says they were advanced in age. We see here that Simeon, Luke chapter 2 verse 26 and 29, that Simeon was advanced in age. We see about Anna, Luke 2, 36 through 37, that Anna was advanced in age. Oh, but Mary and Joseph... Oh, Mary was a virgin, betrothed to Joseph, a teenager. Luke is signifying a change through contrast, right? You had four very noble, devout, and godly saints in Zechariah, Elizabeth, Simeon, and Anna, and they were waiting for the new covenant. They were the connection to the law. And the child of Zechariah and Elizabeth would in fact be the last prophet, the forerunner of the new age, John the Baptist. You see, the Lord uses these older people to show us that he is doing something new. Right? Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Right? Notice that, that Mary and Joseph, they, they don't skirt the law. No, verse 39 says they performed everything according to the law of the Lord. Right? Matthew 5, 17-78, Jesus says, Do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until it is accomplished. Jesus came to fulfill the old covenant. But the second revelation, the work of the Spirit will be outpoured in amazing ways. Look at the work of the Spirit here as Simeon comes to, to see the Christ child. It says in verse 25, Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
and when it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is active. Jesus brings in a pouring of his Spirit upon us, that the Holy Spirit is active. So, beloved, you do not have to rely upon yourself. You do not have to rely upon your own effort. You do not have to rely upon your uh, your knowledge or your intellect. You have the spirit of the living God inside of you because Jesus came to usher in that spirit. And the third revelation from the dedication of Jesus is Jesus came not just to redeem Israel, oh, but he came to redeem the whole world. The angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men to whom he is well pleased. And now Simeon, a man of great faith, sees Jesus and he's ready to die in peace because he understands rightly that Jesus is the savior of the whole world, right? Look at what Simeon says again in verse 29 to 32. He says, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all people. A light for who? For the revelation to the Gentiles, to the whole world and the glory for your people, Israel. Jesus came to redeem the world. Jesus came as, as, as an outpouring of the Spirit of God to redeem not just Israel, but the whole world. And as Jesus is dedicated in the temple, we see the truth that he came to fulfill the law, pour out his Spirit, and redeem the whole world. And that brings us to the last and final phase, phase three, the growth of Jesus the Christ. And we find that in the last verses, verses 41 through 52 of Luke chapter 2. It says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But when they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching after him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding in his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Some quick observations from the growth of Jesus to Christ. First and foremost, Mary and Joseph were devout followers of God, right? You notice in verse 41, it was their custom to go up annually each year for the feast of the Passover. They were devout. But Mary and Joseph, as devout followers of Christ, they also trusted Jesus and knew he had good judgment. Oh, they knew that he was completely trustworthy, right? This is not a bad mom and Mary who loses her child in a group. No, she trusted Jesus. She knew that he would be okay because he had impeccable judgment. But then also we see that Jesus was fully God and fully man. He limited himself for our sake. Right? He, he, he comes and, and he's going into the temple. And he's asking questions. He's seeking out teachers. He's listening. Right? He's growing in wisdom and in stature. Verse 52. Jesus the Christ limited himself for us. Remember what Philippians 2, 5 through 7 says? Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in likeness of a man. God was limiting himself for our sake. 
Oh, but we also see that Jesus knows who his father is. Mary comes to Jesus and she says, Why did you treat us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And Jesus turns it on, not in a sarcastic way, but in a confident way. And he says, Dude, what, why were you looking for me? Did you not know I must be in my father's house? And so we see that Jesus recognizes his unique sonship to God and that his mission will require a devotion to God's purposes so great that it will take an importance over that, even of his closest family ties. And so in conclusion from Luke chapter 2, we see a sovereign God who stoops down, limits himself to take away our fear, to take away our sin, and to fulfill the law and redeem not just Israel, but the whole world. And this is good news for those who believe and folly for those who are perishing. This is the only hope for the world. So we must go and tell of this gospel. We must speak it to those we serve. Jesus is the hope of Lifeline Children's Services. Jesus is the hope of the orphan. So let's be bold and anxious to speak his name. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.